Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Welcome back to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I am Pia Larson, your host for this episode. I have to share with you guys, I'm super excited to interview Rand Fishkin. He is kind of my mentor. I've learned everything on SEO from him. I followed him, I think, since two, uh, let me think, 2010. Been to the conferences, uh, read all your stuff. You're like the number one email that I open up first. So huge fangirl. So I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, Rand. Hi, Pia. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thrilled to hear that my work has been useful to you. Oh, it's great. I mean, I I can get lost in um, some of the, the blog articles that you put out and just the the great research that you're doing. And then just the stuff that you share on a local level about like small businesses and just everything. So great to have you. It's an honor. So just real quick, for, for people who have lived under a rock in Seattle for the last 10, 15 years, can you give a little just a really quick history of where you started with with Moz and then uh, how you were inspired to start Spark Toro. Sure. Yeah, no problem. I, yeah, so I, I dropped out of school in 2001, um, went to the University of Washington. You did? And mm-hmm. uh, dropped out two classes away from graduating. Still haven't uh, gotten oh, my degree no. there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and started, yeah, started working on a a web design business that eventually turned into uh, SEO Moz, the blog, and then the consulting business, and finally the software business in 2007. Um, and I, I co-founded that with my mom, Jillian, who mm-hmm. we had, my whole family had been here in the Seattle area since, what, 1979, when wow. my dad you know got a job as an engineer at Boeing and worked there 30 years to the week, you know, got a... <laughs> and, wow. <laughs> then got his not like that anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's just one of those anachronistic things. I think he's the very, very last tail end of that that sort of work generation. Uh, but so my you know experience at Moz was strangely long. Right, I was there for seventeen years. Obviously, started the software business and and the consulting side, the the blog about SEO. Uh, built that into a a very big community of you know millions of visitors a month had you know 30 million 40 million a year in in uh, software revenue and when i stepped down as uh, ceo that was 2014 and then over the next 4 years i had a lot of disagreements and struggles with the new management which which i put in place right so there's no one to blame but but myself mm-hmm. um but ended up leaving the company uh, in 2018 and started SparkToro almost 14 hours later. So gave myself really? a good little vacation there. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. 
Yeah, and SparkToro, you know, uh, was was inspired by a lot of the problems that Moz and that SEO could not solve, right? So I, I think that a big part of that is who is my audience? How can I uh, position my products and my content and my marketing in ways that resonate with them? Uh, and where can I reach them outside of just Google and Facebook? Right. My sense, I think there's 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 two trends that are very clear. One, Google and Facebook are both trying to become as pay for play as possible. Right. right? So the you know the opportunities in SEO, although they are still vast, are absolutely shrinking. Right. On a, mm -hmm. as a as a percent of all the traffic of all the searches that happen, and as a percent of uh, all the people who are potentially reachable, Google is making it either paid or Google products um, or Alphabet owned companies. And, you know, that makes sense. They have to find growth however they can. They've got to deliver to their shareholders. But I think it's pretty bad for the rest of the world um, and certainly anyone who's, who's trying to play in that sphere. And Facebook is the same way. And so my hope was that with SparkToro, we could, we could show any marketer for any given audience, where can you reach those people outside of these behemoth tech companies? What are the podcasts they're listening to? What are the YouTube channels they're subscribing to? What are the social accounts that they're following organically? What are the email newsletters they subscribe to? What events do they go to? What webinars do they participate in? What websites do they visit? That kind of information is really hard to come by. And can, super valuable. Yeah, yeah, it's super valuable information and it's a real pain to get. And as, as a result of it being such a pain to get, Many people don't even bother, right? A yeah. ton of marketers don't even look at, hey, where could we participate in our ecosystem outside of just throwing money at Google and Facebook? And so those channels get ignored. And as a result of them getting ignored, there's not a lot of monetization opportunities for people who do build up communities and passionate audiences in those niches. And so, you know, I have this sort of, I don't know, egalitarian hope that one day if SparkToro really completes its mission and makes it very easy for millions of businesses around the world to instantly find the sources of influence in any niche, not only will those businesses benefit by diversifying their marketing and, and building up some you know, greater creativity and diversity there, but also creators and builders of those communities will benefit mm. because advertisers and marketers and companies want to work with them directly instead mm -hmm. of going through Google and Facebook's programmatic systems. Yeah, I I love the tool myself. I've uh, showed it to a lot of our clients because our audience is, you know, they don't have the deep pockets. They don't have the in-house PR department. And, you know, the first thing they ask me when they come to, to fingerprint is, you know, uh, can you help us with Facebook ads? Can you help us with SEO? And yes, we can get you traffic, but do you, you know, what are you talking about on your website? What is the content you're producing? And is it, now we'll get into this a little bit later, but is it amplifiable, right? Is it something that people want to share? So, just so for the audience, you can get 10 free searches just by signing up for SparkToro. And I highly recommend that you do because like on the surface, when you first go to the website, you see all the great intel, but there's so much more underneath. I know you'll talk more about the tools. So, so it is a great tool for small businesses, entrepreneurs, but what if what if let's say I don't really know where to start? Like I, I don't have a niche. I, I, you know, haven't really done my 
customer research, or maybe it's just too noisy out there? Like, how can I really drill down and find out um, what what are the problems people are talking about? Yeah, I would say that this is a sector by sector, you know, business by business kind of thing, right? I Mm -hmm. don't, what I don't try and do is take a one size fits all approach. I don't think there's one right way for every business to do their marketing. In fact, I think everyone should be different. If you want to build a competitive advantage, you've got to be very unique. And so my advice is to look at opportunities that sit at the intersection of three things. Those are number one, I have personal passion and interest around this channel way of doing things, tactic, whatever it is. So, you know, if you tell me, Oh, I hate Instagram. I hate, you know, the, the, whatever the whole culture there and the way the mm-hmm. algorithm works. And I just don't participate. Instagram's probably not going to be a great channel for you. I, yeah. I've never seen someone who said, well, you know, I really hate Twitter, but I'm super good at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So, so I think personal passion and interest is, is something you have to have at least some, even if you're hiring someone to do that work, you've got to have some personal passion and interest yourself. Otherwise, you're never going to try and figure it out as a business owner and work with, you know, whoever you've hired onto your team or your agency in effective ways. Second thing is you have to have a unique set of value that you bring to that channel or tactic that is differentiated from what all your competitors, not just your direct competitors that are serving the same customers with the same product, but all the people who are trying to capture that audience's attention. Mm. Right. So you need a reason why this audience will pay attention to me here, because unlike any other source they could pay attention to, a media source, a blogger, an influencer, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, they can't get XYZ except from me. Right. Except from what we're providing. Yeah. Yeah. We have some unique data. We have a unique opinion on this. We write about this topic better than anybody else. We are phenomenal at summing up this problem in clever visuals and comics. We, you know, whatever it is, you come up with that thing. And then the third and last one is you need to be in the places where your customers actually are. So Mm -hmm. maybe you love Reddit and you're great at providing unique value there, but, but your audience isn't there. Yeah. In that case, right, you've, you've got to look for another channel that matches these two criteria and, and this one as well. But if you get those three, if you find channels and tactics at the intersection of those three, you're going to have an amazing time with your marketing. Okay. So let's say I've done that and I go on Spark Toro and I get, I, I type in, give me some filters that I can, I can, or searches that I can do on Spark Toro that, that will get me some good data for the next steps. Yeah, so this is um, so. First off, Spark Toro. I mean, I, obviously, I love it, but I, I have some personal bias there. But I, but I want to be clear, Pia, that it is not for every channel and tactic, nor does yeah. it serve every purpose. Right? If if the yeah. channel that you're investing in is Google Search, it, Spark Toro can help can't help you very much. It it doesn't know yeah. what people search for. It doesn't have any keyword research data. You know, you probably want to go to my old company, Moz, or or one of its competitors. But if you have said ah, I think that marketing through podcasts is going to very effectively reach the audience that I want to reach. You know, I work with, I make products for physical therapists and I have talked to a bunch of my clients 
And it turns out a lot of them do listen to podcasts in the physical therapy world, or they, you know, or they have some YouTube channels they pay attention to, like, that's where they kind of get new tips and tactics and stay up to date with the industry and find out about new products in the sphere. Wonderful. Terrific. Now you can go to SparkToro and say, my audience uses these words in their profile, physical therapist. Mm. Or you might say, oh, I know of a popular website with physical therapists. Like a lot of people visit this, it, you know, it ranks well in Google. And I, I know that a lot of my clients and customers and potential customers are visiting this site. You can plug that in. My audience frequently visits the website, physicaltherapistsgettogether.com. That, that's probably mm -hmm. not a real website. <laughs> we can register it later. Um, but <laughs> Cocktails for, for physical therapists. <laughs> yeah, cocktails for physical therapists. Seems, seems like a healthy pastime. Uh, and and SparkToro will show you data about people who have followed that website's social channel, engaged with them in basically the order. We, we cover 10 social networks. Twitter is our connector network. So that's kind of our, mm -hmm. our biggest one. And then LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Reddit, Medium, Quora, Pinterest, in generally that order, right? So the big four, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. If there is significant social activity happening on those networks, lots of physical therapists, whatever, following a particular Twitter account or, or paying attention to someone on LinkedIn or you know subscribing to a YouTube channel, SparkToro can tell you that. And it can tell you that with a percentile number, right? So it'll essentially mm. say, oh, okay, well, we have 22,417 physical therapists in our database. I didn't actually do the search, so I'm not sure what the real number <laughs> is. But And those people basically have used the word physical therapist in their public social profile, right? So right. that means their LinkedIn job title or, or their Twitter bio or their Instagram about or Facebook bio section. And so... Here's the behavior that they have, right? 12.2% follow this YouTube channel. 11.6% um, engaged with this podcast. A and then SparkToro just shows that to you transparently, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's literally, there's, there's no complicated math. There's no algorithms or, or, you know, machine learning or anything fancy like that. No venture capitalists would invest because, you know, it doesn't have any of the buzzwords. No sponsors. <laughs> no, no sponsors, right? right? So there's no, you know, there's, we, we don't work with any influencers. We're not an influencer marketing platform. If you're looking for like the guy who takes off his shirt and has six pack abs at beaches around the world, we can't <laughs> help you with that. If you are looking for the YouTube channel, that lots of physical therapists in Washington state subscribe to and watch, we can help you with that. Right. And that's, the, that's exactly the kind of thing. So you can, you can drill down geographically to broad metro areas if they're big enough or, or states or countries and say, Hey, I want to target chemical engineers in the UK. I want to target people who talk about making indie video games in Canada. I want to talk, I want to reach, people who are interested in uh, crafting in Australia. And SparkToro can show you data about what they pay attention to and their demographics and their behavioral attributes in just a few seconds. That's amazing. It sounds like also if you're coming to market with a new product, it would be super helpful as well. Oh, yeah. Um, are you international or national or how? We're English language international but okay. not yet uh, functional in other languages. We, we have, we are going to test German and Spanish this coming winter um, oh, and okay. with the hope of, of releasing it next year. 
how that's going to go, I can't say for certain, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're hopeful. We have some folks we're going to be testing with. And uh, basically, we, the, the challenge is we need to find millions of public social profiles that are in those mm-hmm. languages and then be able to regularly crawl and index that data and make sure it's rich enough and then make sure yeah. that our language modeling is is good. You know, German has yeah, all you'll have to, uh, you'll have to keep me posted. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a Costa Rica client um, oh, that, yeah. could, that could really use that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So Spanish is um, is absolutely like Latin America and Spain is, is a big, big target for us. You'll have to tell me about your Costa Rican client. I uh, we, we are planning, fingers crossed with with Delta variant. We are planning to go in January to Costa Rica for the first time. So, oh, it's lovely. I've I went many, many I'm years ago. Yeah, it's so, I'll send so you my- excited. I just keep reading, you know, late at night. I like browse <laughs> on my phone. Ooh, look at that park. Oh, look at that frog. You can see <laughs> our number one goal was to find a sloth. We found it on the last day. Oh, <laughs> it was amazing. amazing. I'll have to send you my pics. So, okay. So let's backtrack a little bit here. So I have all the, so small businesses don't typically think market research, you know, they're doing everything, right? So they just think, oh, I just need to pay for some ads and write some blog posts, right? That's kind of what they're initially. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's plenty of small businesses who marketing is not what they're thinking about because growth is not what they're thinking about, Mm -hmm. right? They're essential. Mm -hmm. their, Their goal is just provide a product that our current customers like and that they'll talk about. And that's fine. To be honest, I don't know that SparkToro is necessarily for you if you are not worried about kind of growing your audience, building up your marketing, growing your business substantially, but eh, probably not necessary to use SparkToro. Maybe if you work with an agency, they'll use it on your behalf and and do Mm -hmm. some research and present that to you. Great, fantastic, right? Maybe maybe by being in a couple of publications or getting featured on a YouTube channel, getting some podcast interviews, you know, your agency can help you sort of bolster some of your marketing, maintain things, but you don't really need to grow. The small businesses where SparkToro is super useful are the ones who are very growth minded. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're so let's they're talk about, about that then. Let's talk about those yeah. those companies. So they just think they're gonna go get some PR or share a blog post. What what's the bigger goal here? So the I mean, I think that everything in your marketing should flow from your top level strategic goals. Mm-hmm. Right. If you are a business owner, you know, I, I'm a business owner and all of my marketing flows from I want to position SparkToro this way. I want people to think about SparkToro when they think about, I need to learn more about my audience at scale from passively collected social data very fast. Mm-hmm. And I want to have that all the time. That's great. I want to have it you know, every year or two. I sign up for a month or two and then I quit. Fantastic. And so everything flows from that sort of, this is the problem we're solving. This is who we're solving it for. This is how we're solving it. And this is how we want them to think about us. And so, you know, SparkToro, we basically, our marketing efforts almost all center around sources of influence in the marketing world, right? We, we're very lucky. We recognize that the marketing universe, people like you and I pay attention mm-hmm. to maybe a few thousand sources, right? And if SparkToro is covered in several hundred of those, chances are good that we'll be exposed to it. That marketers will hear about SparkToro, they'll learn about it, they'll know about it. 
I'm also very lucky that I am one of the bigger sources in the marketing <laughs> universe, right? So, yeah, you are. <laughs> so, th- I mean, this is intentional, right? I, I wanted to build a company in the field where I knew I could reach the audience. And, you know, it sort, sort of goes back to those three pillars that I talked about for doing effective marketing. But this is something that I think every business owner should be thinking about is, here's my big strategic goals. Now, how does any marketing effort or channel fit into those? Mm. And you might say, oh, well, from a positioning perspective, we want to be seen as, you know, whatever it is, the supplier to physical therapists that always has their back, right? That Mm -hmm. is basically backing them up with their customers, has their back in terms of pricing, has their back in terms of recommending the best products, not carrying everything, not serving every need they'll ever have, but always serving at, you know, I- exactly what we think is the very best product in any given sector for any given need that a physical therapist might have, right? I don't know what that is. You know, it's weights yeah. or benches or, you know, it's right. pulleys. It's, um, I don't actually know what physical, <laughs> much about physical <laughs> therapy. Um, You're doing great. <laughs> but, but, you know, whatever it is, you know, exercising uh, equipment, all that. Mm-hmm. And so we have this sort of smaller website and set of products, and we've got a, consultative approach which with each of our clients. Uh, so what we're going to do is rather than have like a traditional big e-commerce shop, we're going to have a small e-commerce shop that's built on a smaller platform. Maybe we don't even need something like Shopify. Maybe we can get by with our own homegrown thing. And our content is going to be about product reviews. It's okay. going to be about product reviews and process reviews. Because when we have people think of our brand, we want them to think of us as the ones who looked at the whole market and then chose the best things to offer, Mm. right? And so it's not about, maybe you can get a better price somewhere else. Maybe you can get, um, you know, buy in bulk somewhere else. Maybe you can, you know, find a wider selection, but this is the place for, you know, niche recommendations. I kind of think of it like if you read the website Eater, right? It doesn't try to Mm -hmm. be Yelp. It's not trying to be Mm TripAdvisor. Eater is essentially an editorial, what's the best stuff in your city for restaurants and and all of their media and all of their content, all of their positioning is around, do you want to find the best, whatever it is, Thai food in Seattle? Here you go. We have an article from you know two years ago. We'll probably update it in another year. Mm-hmm. And here's the best new restaurants every quarter, right? And so, you know, Eater is something I subscribe to, not because... It has the widest array. It's not the place I go to. You know, it's not Google Maps and will tell me what's closest to me or whatever. No, it's just here is very curated best of. So you you start from that positioning and then all your marketing flows from that. The content you create, where you promote it, how you promote it, who you promote it to. That's the way I like to think of it. So let's talk about content a little bit and specific content that's on your website. The way that we have been taught recently in years is you're educating your your prospects or you're positioning yourself as an authority. Um, but there's so much noise out there and everyone's written the same thing over and over again. So you recommend uh, thinking of yourself as a, a media um, company as well as you know whatever you do and creating content that will be shared. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and maybe have an example? Sure. Yeah. So I um, I don't necessarily think it's the case that every business needs to produce content. 
Some okay. don't. Some can be okay. purely, here's our product, here's our service. And our marketing comes from, you know, search, uh, you know, buying search ads and, and, and buying other ads. And it comes from PR and getting coverage. There's, you know, speaking of, of restaurants, I, I think a restaurant is a place where you don't need to, there's no reason to be a content creator. Mm-hmm. Look, content is one way you could stand out. I've certainly seen chefs and restaurants who, you know, they produce a cookbook and they 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 have a bunch of featured content on their site. And great, okay, that that can work for you, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to. A lot of restaurants mm-hmm. can simply rely on PR, word of mouth, reviews, social media. ratings, social media, all great channels, right? And and those are channels that you can invest in in lots of different ways, right? Your restaurant could be you know, very controversial on a particular side of an issue in your city. And there's a bunch of people who are like, oh my God, I love them because they support this thing. And Mm -hmm. every time I go there, I feel good about my visit and the food's good, you know, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but whatever it is, right? Like I'm going there for another reason, right? It speaks to my social consciousness or, or, or what have you. It could be that the, uh, the environment of the restaurant, right? There's a, there's a pizza place here in Seattle, Tutabella, right? Which, Hey, the pizza is pretty darn good. It's a good Italian pizzeria, but it is super family and kid friendly, mm-hmm. right? Like that is the thing. When you go in there, you know, Geraldine and I go in and it's like, oh man, there's, there's yeah. a lot of families here, right? And that is that is their unique value proposition, right? They have mm-hmm. built their marketing around that. They know that those parents will talk to other people and they'll invite their friends with kids. And, you know, they bring in servers who are accommodating mm-hmm. <laughs> to the demands Patient. of small children around pizza. <laughs> And then, you know, there's, there's lots of good stuff around that. I think that can be wonderful. So I, I don't want to suggest that content's the only way. If you are creating content, however, you better have a great answer to two questions. Why are we creating this? Mm. What strategic objective does it directly serve? The content has to directly serve some strategic objective of your business. Creating content just because you heard that blogging is good for SEO or something. That's the worst reason to create. And second, second, you need to have a great answer to the question, who will help amplify this and why? Because Hmm. if if you don't, that content is not going to resonate. It's not going to be effective in breaking through the massive amount of noise that we have today. You know, back in 2010, right, when you and I were doing SEO, Pia, Mm -hmm. sure, great. You know, you could produce, you could basically blog for SEO and not put a whole lot of effort into it and probably rank and probably get some traffic because the field was maybe one-tenth as crowded as it is today. Maybe oh, one, I pine for the days. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it just it is, it is an absolutely different world. The algorithm-based feeds did not exist in the way that they do today. They did not amplify in the way to, that they do today. Facebook, yeah. Google, Reddit, YouTube, Instagram, your, your Google Discover feed, Google News, any source of discovery, product hunt, hacker news, I don't care, like every single one rely on an algorithm that tries to measure engagement. Mm-hmm. And engagement is based on whether that thing is worthy of earning attention in a way that feels like, oh, I want to amplify this. Yeah. I, I not only want to click the like button, I want to click the share and the comment button and I want to send it to my friend and I want to send it to this other person and I need to quote this because this this matters to me somehow, 
right? It speaks mm-hmm. to an emotional need. It reinforces an existing belief. Uh, it counters a narrative that people I dislike have, whatever. Like th- those motivations are powerful and content that leans on them tends to work very well on a web that is based on engagement algorithms. That's great. Two of the examples I think I've read uh, that you've given are content that is vulnerable. So, you know, a strong point of view or opening yourself up to, hey, here are our pain points. You know, we're just like you or we're, you know, being human, human to human, right? And the other type of content is more looking at the same data in a different way. So, you know, surveying the market or allocating uh, all of the information that you have, let's say 25 years of marketing or whatever, and sharing it in a unique way. Because, you know, you can read a book, you can read 50 books about the same thing, but then there's that one book you read and it's like, oh, now I get it. So, right. So it's just how you're spinning the same information. Are there other examples of content that you see is super shareable that can go get shared easily? I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of content formats that work particularly well right now. Um, short mm-hmm. format GIFs, you know, short videos, mm-hmm. the, the sort of TikTok and Instagram style short video content works particularly well, especially in a lot of not not just B2C, but but a, a growing number of B2B sectors as well. Yep. Um, I've certainly seen plenty of visual formats that do well, right? Infographics mm-hmm. had had their day. And I think now it's much more short form, single uh, topic you know, quick data, a chart, a graph, a, you know, an informational visual, uh, comics and illustrations have done well for a long mm. time. They continue to do well. Uh, I've definitely seen plenty of, uh, longer format content, like an in-depth guide to XYZ, right? The, mm-hmm. your sort, your sort of, you know, not necessarily beginner's guide, but the full guide and, and, this is, it's different on every different sector, right? Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah. It does not, this is not one of those things where any one size fits all. So you might, you know, you might say, oh, well, infra- infographics might be dead in a bunch of sectors, but in physical therapy world, maybe they still work wonders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that could certainly be the case. So I, you know, I, I hesitate to want to constrict people's, um, you know, opportunities too much. But this mm-hmm. is one of those things that SparkToro can be really helpful with. If you find the sources that your audience pays attention to, and you go follow them and visit their websites and subscribe to their email newsletters and you know look at their YouTube channels, and you see what's working for the sector, you see what's earning your audience's attention, you will get inspired and say, oh, okay, I see that these folks are doing this format. I think mm-hmm. I can do that just as well or better. And I think I can do it with this unique topic or subject matter or emotionally resonant messaging. I have the inspiration and the data to suggest that's going to work really well in my niche. That's a great uh, recommendation for for doing the research. You can get a lot from listening to those channels and paying attention to what's working, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I used to use, I loved using BuzzSumo for this reason, but my, oh, yeah. my frustration with BuzzSumo was always that it told me the content that performed best that had the words or phrases in it, right? So it might say... Uh, um, limited. Yeah, you, you know, th- it might be like, oh, physical therapy is a scam, right? And some, you know, whatever, Instagram influencer or whatever, put up some, 
video and it did really well. Physical therapy is obviously not a scam, but you know, you'd, you'd see articles like that that were sort of very provocative um, and mm -hmm. had done well in social sharing because lots of people were for and against them. But it didn't necessarily help me understand who was reading that. Mm -hmm. Is that just consumers reading it? Is it actual physical therapist professionals who are checking that out? I, I can't tell. And what I yeah. like about SparkToro's methodology is it essentially looks for people who match the criteria you searched for and what their behaviors are, rather than content that performed particularly well that had the keywords in it. That's a good distinction. Super helpful, too. So wrapping up, I would like to get uh, an idea from you. So we're still in the pandemic. We won't be in this forever, hopefully. What do you see on the horizon for you know, business marketing in general, just kind of a, your global view of where you see it going in the next few years. Yeah, I think we um, we are absolutely on a trajectory where there is going to be a considerable amount of opportunity remaining in sort of the mainstream channels that almost everyone invests in. That's paid search, paid social, paid programmatic. But mm -hmm we're going to see that the efficacy of those channels, especially for small and medium businesses, continues to decline. And, that, and that'll happen for three reasons, right? One is because there's going to be less personalization opportunities on the technology side because of how privacy, both regulation and sort of, you know, Apple and Mozilla and Google are all sort of pushing this like no cookie world, cookie-less world. Mm -hmm. So there's just going to be less personalization possible, which means bigger companies are going to dominate because they have the budgets and the reason to spend broadly as opposed to hyper-targeting. So I think that's, sense. that's one thing that's going to happen. The second thing that's going to happen is more and more dollars are going to keep flowing into whatever venture capital and growth equity and private equity and those kinds of things because there's not a lot of places to earn interest in the standard markets, right? Uh, interest rates are staying incredibly low around the globe. And mm -hmm. so money is looking for places to grow. Uh, it wants capital gains tax rate, not ordinary income tax rate. And so it's going to keep investing in businesses to acquire customers unprofitably. That's mm -hmm. going to be very frustrating for those of us who want to yeah. stay profitable, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever tried to compete with a venture-backed business, who can like throw tens of millions of dollars every year at, at acquiring customers unprofitably in the name of growth rate, you know, you know how frustrating that is. That trend is absolutely going to continue. And then the third trend that's uh, going to continue is that, you know, Google, Facebook, and, and Amazon, especially in e-commerce, are going to, in my opinion, continue to consolidate their nefarious monopolistic power. Um, I don't, I don't foresee a case being brought in a, a regulatory case being brought successfully in the next few years. Um, that's really going to change the landscape. That's not to say I don't want one. I would love one. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I think this is one of the few issues where like Republicans and Democrats in the US actually agree. They want to see antitrust <laughs> legislation move forward. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, because those companies are both too powerful and because our antitrust laws are kind of antiquated and can't handle the tech world. And so as a result of those three, there's not going to be an awesome amount of opportunity, at least not to build a competitive advantage, not to get, you know, uh, low cost, high return sorts of marketing investments. If you want that, you're going to have to look outside of 
the duopoly outside of the big tech companies. You're going to have to yeah. do other things. Yeah. Which you've, which you've touched on really well in this interview. I appreciate it. Um, lots of great uh, takeaways for, for our audience. But before I let you leave, I'm super curious about you as a person because in your bio, you have so many diverse interests that I am, I, I just can't let this go without asking you. <laughs> so you love making pasta. You love good cocktails. You love well-written TV shows. So I don't know where to begin, but okay. So I have to know what's your favorite cocktail. Ooh, right now uh, I am I am very into the Milano Torino, which is it's super simple. It's one ingredient from Milan, one ingredient from Turin. Uh, it's just vermouth and and Campari. Uh, but that's you know that's what makes it so great is the simplicity, the sweetness of vermouth, the bitterness of Campari. Just a beautiful cocktail. I don't know why people don't it. drink it all the time. Yeah, I'll so have to make to it. Make. My mom's a big Campari uh, fan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, recommendation for you, Pia. There yeah. is an aperitivo called uh, uh, from a company called Leopold Brothers in Colorado. Okay. You can get it at, at most of the stores around here. And it's red like Campari. It tastes a bit like a lot like Campari, but I find the flavor much more complex and enjoyable. I, I think, you know, if you get your hands Ooh. on it, you'll love it. I think it's like $10 more than Campari, but super worth it. Leopold okay, Brothers. Thanks. Thanks for the tip. Um, And then what is your favorite TV series right now that you're that you're super into? I have mine. I'll I'll tell you mine when when you tell me yours. I mean, I have my my favorite TV show. So we watch a lot of TV during the pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Like a lot of folks. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Um, I thought the absolute best written, performed, um, delivered show was it was like half and half between these two shows are on the very opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, I, I I would put number one by a hair Steven Universe, which is um, by Rebecca Sugar. It is it's a cartoon series. It's I mm. think intended for children, but it is the most heartfelt, best written, best uh, executed television program I have seen. Um, wow. Certainly about you know gender discovery and about parental loss and grief and love. It's just incredible. Wow. Yeah, in a cartoon. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. They, they, they say it's for kids. It's yeah. really, really for adults. Uh, yeah. The other show on the other end of spectrum, genius uh, writing, I think, you know, almost every best of television list has it near the top as Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, he's uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Ludicrously well-written flawless character consistency, absolute genius plot writing, performances are second to none. Great cinematography too. Like just yeah, has it all. everything. Yeah, love it. So Very mine is Ted Yeah, mine is Ted Lasso. Oh, so sure. yeah. yeah, have you watched it? Sure, sure. Yeah, a lot. Very yeah. popular with a lot of folks. Um yeah. I think it has that like good uh, feeling. Yeah, yeah, that sort of like let's Let's just be, let's kill them with kindness, offend no one, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Not, yeah. 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 It's not for everyone, but I just liked the, um, like I was writing oh, I down think, quotes from it stuff. I, I yeah. think, I think Ted Lasso, um, is for everyone. I think that's one of the, I mean, probably don't, don't want to be watching it with young kids, but yeah, no, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rand. This has been a privilege. I really appreciate your takeaways. And please sign up for Spark Toro. And just to check it out, it may or may not be for your business, but um, you get t- 10 free uh, searches every month. And definitely uh, subscribe to Rand's blog because he is an excellent writer. And I learn something new from his blog all the time. So thanks again, Rand. My pleasure, Pia. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, you can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.